she's super deep into the Harry Potter Harry Potter universe. Well, I gotta edit this shit out of that. <laughs> the Harry Potter. <laughs> Your story. Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. And I'm John Deck. And each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. And this week, you're a wizard, Ari. That's right, we're watching Harry Potter from the year 2001, directed by Chris Columbus. Now, you're probably asking yourselves, and by proxy asking us, why are you guys doing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone you should just do all the Harry Potter movies, to which we have decided to respond. That's exactly what we're going to do. Hmm. Uh, we we had such a uh, a great time doing the summer blockbuster series, and you guys seem to have such a great time listening to it that we figured we'd do something else that was sort of fresh and new and and different. So we decided, what better than an anthology series? And so we're going to do all eight Harry Potter movies. For you, our dear listeners. I think uh, <laughs> I just got distracted because I was thinking of listeners that were like deer, like the animal. Because um, <laughs> of Patronuses. Because sometimes you'll come across. Oh, there you go. You'll come across a deer Patronus. So That's so, a nice tie-in. Yeah, thank you. I, I About once every nine to 12 months, I like to <laughs> reference something that has a little bit to do with whatever movie we're talking about. Um, yeah, this this has been one of those little projects or series we, we've t- tossed around and mentioned and then thought, oh man, but that would be a rather large commitment. Let's just do it later. We'll, we'll talk about it later. And then, like Anthony said, after the summer blockbuster series, we're in that series mode where we're, we're looking big, we're looking epic. And I just thought, you know, the first the first movie came out almost 20 years ago. So it just really fits into that combination of our uh, seeking through nostalgia of things that we've enjoyed a long time ago. And it, it of course, runs through uh, to, you know, the final two-parter. It's fairly uh, recent. So it'll be quite a little journey happening in just, you know, seven weeks' time because we'll, I think we're going to end up doing parts one and two of the Deathly Hallows together in the final episode. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that'll be a, a nice a nice undertaking. It'll be... It'll be challenging, but fun. I think we're going to have a really good time with it. And so, it'll be a nice segue, too. Once we finish this series, it'll take us right into our spooky Halloween stuff. So yeah. I, I think that it'll be a, a really good time over the next uh, over the next few weeks. So quick question for you. Right off the bat, it's in two sections. I'm going to ask you to rate from 1 to 10, 10 being the greatest, uh, your level of love for A, the Harry Potter series via book or novel, or B, the movies. Now, I, I don't even know for sure if you've read all the books and seen all the movies. I just am coming at you. What do you got? Uh, so I did read the books. It's been probably... I've read Deathly Hollows when it came out, uh, or, or a few weeks after it came out, and I've not read any of them since. So that gives you an idea of sort of how long it's been. Uh, one to ten for the book series, I would say this is probably about an eight for me. Hmm. And the films, I would say 
are probably right around the same place, maybe seven and a half or eight. Cool. I'd say uh, with the books, I've I've read through the whole series twice um, and have gone back and reread some things here and there, especially when I was really in the midst of mixed. That's not even a word. Mixed. <laughs> In the in the midst of Harry Potter, it's how Hagrid fever. says mixed. exactly. I'm working on the accents. I'll I'll keep working on. Um, but I, I I love the series, and then I listen to it again, or not again, but I listen to the books via audio, um, and that was a lot of fun as well. So I've I've had a lot of experience with the source material and um, seen the movies a whole bunch. Well, that's a lie. I can't say a whole bunch, but I've seen them several times, and I'd say. Well, let's just say I think there's high points and low points in the movie series, sure. so it's hard to give it a rating. For the books, I'll give it a solid 9.2 uh, out of 10. Like, I absolutely adored this the book series. And for the movies, if I had to average out all the movies into a rating, I'd probably end up somewhere around 8. Um, some obviously higher and some lower, and that's the average. That's how averages work, Anthony. And thank you for joining us on our mathematics podcast. <laughs> business statistics next week uh so i'm gonna ask a question as well and i think that it's one that we can revisit when we've completed the series mm -hmm. what is I, I won't ask you to rank all of them but of the uh, of the seven years we'll call it of ho the hogwarts series uh what is your favorite um, I'm just going to give one answer overall and not try to break things down from book, movie, whatever, and I'll say The Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, I, that's that's probably most people's. It's mine. So uh, You know I just like to pick whatever your answer is going to yeah, be and make it I, that, my that's, answer. That's your MO. Like We, we did discuss what the answers were going to be beforehand and then you changed yours. So, uh, Yeah, actually, a, a fun... I don't know if it's a fun anecdote, but it's an anecdote nonetheless. So... My most recent watching of this series was uh, just a, a few years ago when my, so my son, his godmother, she's super deep into the Harry Potter universe and she wanted to introduce my son to it because he hadn't read any of the books and I think he'd only watched uh, Sorcerer's Stone and, and maybe the, the one after that. Uh, so... She was like, well, I'm going to get you all the books, and then I'll get you all the movies. And I'm like, well, hold on. If he's going to get all the books, he's going to read all the books. And he's going to do it before he watches the movies. So the way that we worked it out was you can watch the movies, but you have to read each book first. So he read The Sorcerer's Stone, and then we watched The Sorcerer's Stone. And then he read, uh, hmm. you know book two and watched movie two and so on and so forth i don't remember the order of them but that's not important to this story uh but the point is it's how i got my son really into harry potter by getting him to you know read the books and then watch the movies and then we actually had like good discussions about the differences between the two and like inconsistencies and things that were left out and things like that and it was a lot of fun it was actually a really really nice father-son bonding moment that's awesome i'm I've always been of the opinion that I wish they had made the Harry Potter series uh, a TV series, like a high-budget Game of Thrones TV series. I say Game of Thrones, I mean that budget. Um, because yeah, please I, not Game of Thrones ask because that's... Okay, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I really just wish they had had the time to translate the material into something more substantive because 
I think one of the repetitive drawbacks we'll come across on several of the movies is how abbreviated they are. And and it's hard to take the flow of a, you know, eight, nine hundred page novel and then break it down into two, two and a half hour movie. It's like you have to cut. What do you cut? That kind of thing. So I'm sure we'll get into Mm -hmm. that, you know, movie by movie as we go and look at the highlights and lowlights. But I'm pretty pumped. I have some fun little creative ideas for us for digesting these movies as we go. But that I'll save that for after we actually watch. Awesome. Well, why don't we go and watch it? Uh, That's what John and I are going to go do right now. So if you want to, you can pause and watch along with us and then uh, we can all talk about it together. It's currently streaming on HBO Max as well as a handful of other services. Plus, you can get it from any of those streaming rental services. I'm probably going to watch it from our personal library here at home because we have all of them. Uh, I imagine John's probably going to do that as well. And when we come back, we are talking Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. John, are you ready? Expecto I am. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. My father will hear about this. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, that was a perfect... Uh, that was actually a recording of uh, Draco Malfoy from Harry Potter. I expect nothing uh, less. Yep. This perfect audio. So uh, let's jump right into it. We have a lot to cover. Uh, now, John, when we stopped the recording, uh, you had some stuff that... Uh, you had suggested and then I thought was pretty cool as far as ideas for this episode and yeah. possibly the rest of the the anthology goes. So why don't you tell the audience what that is and then we can jump into it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, on top of all of our regular commentary on the movie itself, I feel like we can't dive into a many-part series on Harry Potter without getting to know a little bit about ourselves and where we ourselves would fit within the Hogwarts universe. Um, So uh, the first thing, I mean, before we even get into the movie and and all that kind of stuff is I think everyone listening needs to understand what house Anthony and I belong to. Um, I think we both have had kind of interesting experience with this, but I'm going to let Anthony, I'm going to let you go first and, and share your, your sorting, uh, soiree and go from there so my sorting uh was actually a a little weird because when you go to pottermore and you sign up and and do the sorting thing like it it takes you through a quiz and you uh you find out what house you belong to but the thing is is when i went and punched in my email address i had already done it so at some point in the past, I took the sorting quiz, and so I like recovered my password and found out that I was in Gryffindor, and I was like, all right, well, for the purposes of this episode, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, I'll sign up with my throwaway email address, and I'll do yeah. the quiz again, and because, you know, people change over time, and we grow, and we adapt, and, and you know, things happen in life, so... I said, all right, I'm going to, I'll do the Pottermore quiz again. So that's what I did. I signed up with a throwaway email address and 
once I got done with the quiz, it said that I had been sorted into Gryffindor. So apparently people don't change that much. Well, it's funny you should mention that because I myself have taken the sorting hat uh, quiz quite a while ago. And I remembered I had done so and I hadn't forgotten it. And I was sorted into Ravenclaw and that's what I had wanted. And I was very happy. And then I'd have the same experience. I go to lock in a uh, log in at Pottermore and it wants me to do the Wizarding World and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to do that, I might as well just start fresh and clean, go through the whole experience again, just enjoy the thrill of becoming Ravenclaw. And as I started to go through, I was like, you know, I know I can influence some of these questions by picking what would probably lead me towards where I want to be. Um, and I thought, you know what, for fun, I'm just going to go with my absolute gut. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm not going to try to go where I want. I'm just going to answer, answer the way a Ravenclaw would answer. Right. So I, I just went right in. I just dove into it. And it made me Slytherin. Oh, interesting. And I think this ties into the movie in in the way that, you know, here we are just jumping right in. But, like, you know, we, we're going to be all over the place, folks, because this is a, a big movie itself and, <laughs> and we're covering you know what were there 35 movies in this franchise there's a lot to do something like that yeah. but so so i just want to jump Fucking right strap in folks i'm just jumping straight into the sorting hat because it's one of those things where you see this a little bit where i i think it's not just some hat that just magically chooses for the students where they're gonna go i think it's a lot about what's inside their own head and what they want and you see that probably the most with Harry himself when, you know, it's try it's like, hmm, you could be great in Slytherin, you know, and and he's like, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. And there's like, okay, not Slytherin. Well then, you know, go to Riffendor. And like and it's kind of brought up like as though maybe he could be in, in different houses and and but like what he really consciously was really wanting, that's where he was sent. So I feel even though this quiz now is sorting me to Slytherin I feel that the desire I have to be and to uphold the qualities of a Ravenclaw would override that, and the Sorting Hat would, in fact, put me in Ravenclaw because that's what I would want. That's fair. I, I think that that's probably a good assessment of how the Sorting Hat works, especially if we look at, like you had said, how the sorting ceremony went in in the movie. Like, it's not necessarily just. Oh, well, you're a Weasley, so obviously you're going to be in Gryffindor. It could have very easily been, oh, Ron's a Hufflepuff because he, you know, in his head, he has certain qualities and his his brain is wired a certain way. And so he would be a Hufflepuff or a Ravenclaw or whatever. Yeah, I feel. So the, yeah. the fact that that sorry, that uh, that Harry like so vehemently didn't want to be a Slytherin because he saw, you know, what Slytherin students were like and like how how big of a dick Malfoy was. Like he he willed it and not that necessarily he changed the outcome of what the sorting was going to be, but he do you kind of get what I'm saying here? Yeah, yeah, and um uh, to go along with that, I, I do think perhaps with the Sorting Hat that its function is almost more to help direct their future and not look at the past. So it's not trying to figure out who they have been, but rather who they need to be or who they should be or can become. And in that regard, you know, obviously you have like 
Ron and Hermione, who arguably, like, I think you were kind of going on the path that you could make the argument that they seem more like Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, except they both get in Gryffindor, but it's like, they obviously both need courage. They both need, you know, to understand what it means to become leaders. They both have to have that, that raw, um, whatever you want to call it, that the Gryffindors have and what they can develop amongst their housemates. And also, to me, it makes sense, considering the scope of everything and where they go, uh, Harry as well. He's, everything's new to him. He's kind of a blank slate, and he is destined, you know, for for these many things. So he could have thrived, could have had a different story in any of the houses, and and you know that could have been a an interesting retelling and i'm sure out in the world of fan fiction it's been explored you know a million times over at this point but yeah i just right off the bat i'm just going to let you know i'm not going to return my uh ravenclaw scarf uh, in exchange for a slytherin one i'm just not going to do it no no i don't think anyone expects you to i don't even think the sorting hat would expect you to like renounce uh your your raven your love of ravenclaw and your willingness to be in house ravenclaw as it were so uh cool so let's talk a little bit about the movie itself now those of you who have not watched it what are you doing with your life like go and watch this movie you know it was it was just re-released in china this weekend and it's now surpassed a billion dollars u.s dollars for uh its overall box office haul oh wow no kidding yep that's insane um this i'm having trouble really nailing down what i want to start with in the movie because like i i, I feel like you have to sort of take all seven years of harry potter in into account when you're discussing it, but we can we can try and break it down to just Sorcerer's Stone. Um, well, yeah, I think that that is going to be the tricky part. And, you know, fair warning to all our listeners, especially as we progress, there's going to be a bit of spillover between some of the movies and references, but that's okay. Uh, either you've already watched them all yourself or you're going to go on this journey with us and watch them once a week until we get through them. Um, but yeah, I think... We can jump around a bit. I feel like for me, I just want to talk about like, what was, what was the point of this movie? What was the big picture ideas? And for me, the first movie is just all about magic, about wonder, Mm -hmm. about introducing us to this world. And yeah, we lay the groundwork for some tragic events and for some various relationships that are going to go in many different directions. But really, you know, just all throughout, this was just one of those things where if I came across these books and these movies when I was younger, I have no doubt I'd be even more obsessed than I am now because <laughs> that idea, like going back to school, was never one of those super exciting things that I loved to do as a kid, you know, other than getting like a new Trapper Keeper or, you know, cool folders sure. or new shoes or other than that, it was kind of a nightmare and something I really dreaded a lot but the very thought of my i could have sidestepped those stupid parts of life and gone to a place where i'm taking magical trains and boats out to a castle where i'm gonna learn how to levitate things and it's like the very essence of that we're not getting so even though there is a bit of life-threatening danger in this one just a just a touch it's really 
not that dark. It doesn't dwell on these things. We're just being introduced to the wonder of it all. And and I think between the score, uh, the music just lifts you up in all all the right places, and the the set design and the special effects, like it. It holds up 20 years in. I still feel magically transported when I watch the movie. You know, the visual effects I wasn't 100% bought in with. And it's not it's not necessarily that they were bad. It's just that I remember them getting better over time. And mm-hmm. like that, I, I think that in my head, with regard to visual effects there was this expectation that oh it's gonna look like this and it didn't and it it looked older and and sort of less clean and less sharp and much more like green screened and stuff like that and i know obviously on a quidditch pitch like you're you're gonna have to have green screen with these kids flying around on brooms like it's just not you cannot shoot that with practical effects it's not feasible in any way shape or form but it was very obvious to me like everything was very sort of two-dimensional and you didn't really get the the proper depth from it and so that i I think to me i think you don't understand i'm I'm sorry you 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 misunderstood this movie then because there were like the, the Quidditch scene and all, maybe you didn't know that like all of the figures become somewhat animated and two dimensional because of wizardry. It's not, it's not <laughs> special effects that don't stand up when Harry's getting tossed around on his broom and it's bucking him around. Like the reason we can have fun and not worry about his, you know, mortal life is we understand that he's just become a slightly cartoonish caricature of himself it's, gotcha. it all works out very and then hogwarts we see that, like, exists in, yeah. in in just two dimensions okay well not all of hogwarts but during certain times and and like like when harry climbs on top of the head of a cave troll like it's for his own protection <laughs> that things become animated sure. and, and so I think you you perceive that as special effects improving over the next, you know, 15 years. But in reality, as they age and their prowess increases, it becomes more and more real. So the dangers oh, become I deeper. Sort of taking off you the know, training more, wheels, as yeah. it were. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So for first years get a break, you know, literally sometimes with their bones. But they also have that magical time where they could just enjoy walking down a corridor you know with an invisibility cloak on and and sometimes you know the, the biggest thing to be afraid of is just a wily cat looking for you sure you know it's, and it's other still times fun. it's a little light murder like you know a little light murder yes <laughs> um maybe just a little silverly silverly just a bit of unicorn blood. There you go. Just a bit. Just to tide you over when you're just feeling a little bit ghostly. Just these nice little touches. It's not that bad of a thing yet. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the the unicorn blood, sort of, or a unicorn blood adjacent, uh, <laughs> which is something we bring up all. The oh time. yeah, yeah. That's a common phrase. Unicorn blood adjacent. Uh, I, I used that, it three uh, times today at work. Like, I was like, yeah, someone's like, where's that burger place you really Oh, like? it's I'm unicorn like, blood it's... adjacent. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it works all the time. Uh, <laughs> so the, the, the sort of final uh, encounter scene where uh, 
we we first see uh, the face of Voldemort on the back of uh, Quirrell's uh, Quirrell, head. Uh, doesn't feel Voldemortish. And like, well, I, have I you get ever that he lived on the back of someone's head. That's fair. That is fair, but we we get sort of because uh, uh, that that was recast, right? Like it, the back of the head was recast. Well, no, not the back of the head, but Voldemort was recast. Like the who who we see on the back of Quirrell's head is not who we see in Deathly Hollows. Well, I'm gonna clickety clack. So hold on a second. Yeah, sure. Because I'm pretty sure I'm right. Because he who shall not be named on the back of Quirrell's head is played by Richard Bremer. Well, then you should have told me so I wouldn't have to clickety-clack. Oh, well, there you go. But I'm pretty sure it's Ray Fiennes who plays Voldemort, is it not? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... I, I don't even know if they if they collectively had a plan for, for the casting for Voldemort at this point. Um and so, yeah, he lived and existed as just a kind of amorphous blob on the back of Quirrell's head. So I, I, I wasn't really sure whether or not they had, uh, if they finally, you know, if they had the, the actual Ray Fiennes. Is it Ray or Ralph? Or I, think it's, I think or... it's Rafe. Rafe. Rafe Fiennes. No, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, <laughs> but I, did, I didn't know if, if they had him just doing the voice and, you know, like... This is such a weird point in technology that I don't know if they would do, you know, uh, dot up his face to do motion capture if it's going to be splayed on the back of someone's head. And so, yeah, that's interesting to note that he wasn't even quite in the process yet. Yeah. And like, but, and I think that that to me, knowing what this turns into and what we sort of get visually later on, uh, that for me in, in rewatching it was was sort of distracting like i i think if i yeah if i went into this fresh faced and you know 2001 i'm going to the movie theater and i'm watching harry potter and the sorcerer's stone i don't think i necessarily give a shit at that point because the other eight you know the other seven movies aren't out yet and so we we don't have that sort of visual development and that that real Especially when it comes to Voldemort, that real inclusion of that character and seeing him for more than, you know, just a matter of a couple of minutes in a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree. And I think at this point it's hard, especially, you know, if you've watched any of the other movies more recently to distinguish, just like you said. But I think just taking this movie as a jumping off point or if you haven't watched the other ones in a while, I think it's perfectly acceptable that. And not even, for me, it wasn't even distracting. I mean, yes, of course, there's a bit of an allowance you give for effects and things like that. But it's like, yeah, he's he's so far from being a full character at this point that it's like, of course, he's going to look and sound not quite like what I expect. And he's just still forming and, and stuff. So um, I, he, I've i got a question for you. Go ahead. So we obviously uh, get introduced to the main trio in, in this first movie of Harry and Hermione and Ron. Right. Um, I, I want to put in a, a little bit. I know we've talked about other things that we've actually prepared and thought about, but this is more just gut reaction. I think every 
movie, I want to you to give a ranking. We'll both give a ranking on scale of one to ten on how annoying we find each character. <laughs> so right now, I'll say for Harry, he's at about a one or a two. It, Cute, not annoying. Okay, so what like, one being the least annoying, ten being the most yeah. annoying. Gotcha. Yeah, I'd put. So he's I, about. I'd put him at a one to one point five. Yeah, exactly. He's he's harmless. He's cute. He's just filled with wonder. Great. Not annoying at all. Sure. Uh, Hermione, I'd say maybe about a three because she is annoying, but like in that cute little kid, annoying know-it-all way, but not in a way that bothers me. Um, but, you know, like they're, they're playing that up just to build up her character a bit. I have no problem with it. It's fine. I'd, I'd put and... her closer to a five or a five and a half just because <laughs> like she, she comes off very very condescending in, in, in a number of scenes and like i get that that's sort of her character but it's you're you're trying to make friends with kids like maybe don't bag on them quite so much for being idiots no that's cool that's cool no that's good i mean again this is just gut reaction how you reacted to them so there's no wrong answer i i completely can see that and then ron again at this point like he seems more or less fine i'd give him about maybe a two and a half just general oafishness but he, he's he, he's perfectly okay. He's got a smudge on his nose. No big deal. <laughs> you know, he 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 knows how to play a game of wizard's chess, you know, so it's like he's not that annoying. Yeah, how no, do you feel about I'd that? say two, two and a half, maybe maybe even a two. Um, he's he's definitely more useful than he tends to, to be in some of the other movies. Uh, and he's he's not quite as much of an idiot. So I, I yeah, I'd say two and a half. Two and a half is good. Yeah, good we'll, we'll revisit this. Number. Yes, each week we will <laughs> re-rank somebody. If, if you want to start a wiki, a, a memory distillery wiki, and we can like you can keep up the ranks for us because neither John or I are going to do it. So, uh, cool. So Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Um, just as an introduction to the series, I still, I, I rate it pretty high. I Like I said, I was still caught up in the wonder of it all. I wasn't too distracted. Um, and I really, I, I loved our introduction to so many characters, even if we only saw them for a second or two, when you know that they're going to play a bigger role later and there's going to be different conflicts and there's going to be, you know, like... It's just so delicious seeing Alan Rickman as Snape, but it's just like he's such such a wonderfully layered character and such a perfect performance that it's just like and it just gets better. But it's just so much fun. Like I was just smiling like huge every line he had, the way he just drags out the words. Well, and it's like amazing. Like Alan Rickman, I I loved as an actor anyway. Like he. Yeah. Everything I ever saw him in, he was always so just so fucking good. Like he would always portray whatever character he was trying to portray in just the right way, and that is in the Alan Rickman way. And yeah. like it, like I, I, I had very much the same as you. Like it was very much an enjoyable performance, but at the same time, I had sort of this like this pang of man, I wish he was still around because I'm sure that there's so many other really cool things that he could be doing. Uh, I yeah I, I I completely agree. I thought that um, it, it, you brought up the word introduction, and I think that that's a really good way of putting most of this movie. Is 
an introduction like if especially if you haven't read the books like this is a really good introduction into this world that we are now diving into and that people are becoming obsessed with uh period like they're like (laughs) this movie and and the subsequent films after it really developed a whole other subset of the harry potter fan base and i feel like that you'd almost be underserving the harry potter fandom as a whole by leaving out the people who had only seen the movies who had never read the books so and not not to say that we're doing that or by any means but i'm i'm saying that to make a point like yes this whole wizarding world was built off of the books of the you know the 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 jk rowling books but it (sighs) wait these movies are based on books i know right it's almost like moby dick wait moby dick was in harry potter no they made a book out of moby dick the movie oh and then they turned that movie into harry potter okay let's get back to the movie i'm getting confused yeah that's fine Um, (laughs) (laughs) i i again like alan rickman of course it's hard not to just love him like you said whether it's die hard love actually well you can hate love actually and still think he's great in it but like but nobody does because love actually is a great movie but go on it's yeah it's not it's horrible but go Um, on but go on but he is in the other christmas movie die hard so that one's far better um <laughs> but like i get amazed when you can see him play characters with that are flamboyant and have you know like the whatever in robin hood you know the the sheriff of nottingham mm-hmm. right? yeah yeah the sheriff of nottingham but like he's just over the top and kind of you know villainous in some ways but then you have like sense and sensibility where he's just so reserved and proper and it's like but he fits perfect like you're like yes he is perfect for the role and you you kind of get that a lot with uh, some of the cast especially the the older individuals and casters because obviously the kids are all almost all of them are first time right. unknowns that have not spent a lot of time in movies in any recognizable uh, a sense of it. So I think one of the things I wanted to introduce into the series as well that we talked about is, you know, we have all these roles, all these introductions, so many great actors and great parts that we've come to love. And, you know, because it's the nature of the beast, there's always these rumors and talks about, remakes and reboots and what if they made it a tv series and what if they made it a movie series again and what would you do and who would you cast and we we can't let something like that lie so um (laughs) it's we're not going to necessarily get into too many sequel tangents right now because there's just so many sequels that are real and are coming i don't have the energy to go in that direction but what i can do uh is introduce the segment where we're going to um do a little casting of ourselves, dream casting, uh, not to be confused with the Sega Dreamcast, which is one of the best systems ever made Sega. for video games. But to take a few main characters each time at, from, from each movie as they come across, and both Anthony and myself have spent probably more than a little bit amount of time trying to puzzle out uh, who are going to be the best fits uh, for several roles. So, I don't know if we're going to continue to do this every episode where there'll be like four characters that we go over, but for this first one, we are going to recast 
Dreamcast four characters who we meet in this movie, which are Albus Dumbledore, Hagrid, and Vernon and Petunia Dursley. We're not going to go through the painful process of trying to come up with any children actors for the small children parts that they're going to play from oh, yeah. age 10 to 18. It's it's ridiculous. No, just the adult characters, the, the, the staff of Hogwarts and stuff like that. Like that's, that's going to be the easiest to recast. So I think that that's, that, that was the right choice on our part. So let's, let's start off with uh, relatively small potatoes um, and work our, our way up here. I want to know who you think would be a good Vernon Dursley. So yeah, you have a couple of choices here because you could go with sort of a, a doofy kind of roly poly type of guy, or you could go for like a general dickishness. Uh, you could do a lot of things. Tell me what you want. So I'm going to give you both because like oh, that's oh, that's what oh. I do. That's how I do. I'm I can never pick just one. So I think for <sighs> as a in in general, I would say Nick Frost. I think Nick Frost, okay. uh, especially. Wait, shaven. how can you say you're going to give me two options and then say in general Nick Frost? Well, because in general, I would say as an all around actor who could do vernon dursley you'd have nick frost like he would be uh, he would do so really well pick? in that role he's one of my picks my other pick no, is not an actor you know how this game is i do played. know how this we game is played because i rewrote the we rules we can't list every actor we can't because this acting. is not an actor actually this is just somebody right. who's generally a dick and that's jeremy clarkson that's actually a, I like that pick <laughs> for for an actual pick that's hilarious um I, I'm kind of stunned that you accidentally picked something really great. <laughs> Who did you have picked for Vernon Dursley? I, um, this one, I really felt like, because in the books especially, there's such an emphasis on his stature and kind of being like no-necked walrusy. And yeah, I, I wanted someone who could really play the idiot, who could play the, you know, the, you know, like that. What do you like? Get it back under the stairs. You know, so I went um, with Ian McNeese. Oh, interesting. Um, listeners might know if you ever watched uh, Doc Martin. He was on there or the Dune TV miniseries. He was the Baron uh, Harkonnen. Um, yeah, fire up yeah, IMDb, like he... kids, because like th- these are going to be a lot, of, a lot of British actors that we're picking. And you may not necessarily know who they are, so. And sometimes not even British actors. I, I I cheated a bit on these because I just was like, I wanted the best person for the roles. And if British actors were available and they fit the bill, that's great. But if I had to go around and color outside the, the lines, you know, I, I'm going for it. It is what it is. So uh, Petunia, who, who, who do you got so lined up for Petunia? I would say for a funny Petunia, uh, Catherine Tate. And mm. for a more serious Petunia, I would say like an Olivia Coleman. Now, uh, again, I'm going to push you and be like, who would you want to see? Catherine Tate. If you're the casting I, 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 I think okay. end of the day, I'm, I'm going with Catherine Tate. Yeah, I, I think that's great. And I think um, especially in the beginning where you want to balance the fact that they're basically committing child abuse incessantly <laughs> like to balance that with a bit of funny you know oafishness and goofiness jeremy clarkson and Catherine tate would really 
be quite an amazing duo. And I think that's you've nailed it better than I have in my picks. But who who did like. you have Just for Petunia? For for Petunia, I actually I went with Emily Watson, not Emma Watson. <laughs> um, but uh, she was in Punch Drunk Love and mm-hmm. Chernobyl. Yep. And and like I just felt like what I would want for this role, even though I absolutely love your picks for the humorous angle on it, and like I had thought for a little bit about like Will Ferrell as as Vernon, which um, the American Jeremy Clarkson, if we're being honest, like as far as looks, yeah, go. And, yeah. So like I I was drawn to that that really playing it up and making it funny. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with considering that, but for Petunia, because I feel she's not really served as well in the movies as she is in the books where we get to see a bit of that depth and, and I'd really want someone who could go, you know, from being superficial to just like hitting a nerve, like deep emotional nerve. And so I feel like uh, Emily Watson, Emily Watson would be someone who I think can just turn on a dime who can be kind of neutral and proper and then just emotional, just poof, turn it, you well, know, turn it up again. And Emily Watson is one of those actors who she, she has a face that when she turns it on, she could cut you to the core with a look. Yeah. And like, that's a big thing, especially when you consider the sort of child abuse aspect of the, yeah. the Dursley's relationship with Harry. Like it's that, I think is a very good, good casting choice. Uh, now, you also said Hagrid, right? I sure did, and I'm a little nervous that we, we will have picked the same person for this because we're getting in that zone where we get this stupid mind so, meld going on, whether I like it or not. We, we have a couple of obvious picks, right? So, like, I, I mean. No, 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 no. We, we got to with... stop listing all the people in the world who could be it. This is about you. I know, who but. Are you Gryffindor? You're Gryffindor. Who am I? Make a choice. I am indecisive. That's who I am. Uh, well, yeah, but you're in Gryffindor. I, mean, I could now, go so with Nick Frost. Brave and I decisive. Can... I could go with John Reese davies but I think at the end of the day, speaking of like hiring American actors for British roles, I kind of want to go with the giantized Peter Dinklage like in Avengers Infinity War. Wow, that is not at all what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I, I love Peter Dinklage, so I'm not going to automatically ridicule you. But that's interesting. So because any actor, no matter how big or small of stature, they're going to be doing some kind of trick shots emotion, or graphic effects, something to heighten and, and improve on his you know, size. Right. No, no actor is nine giant. feet tall. Like, so, Yeah. So there's that. But like when I was thinking about it, I just really felt like sometimes you you have larger people who have a burly presence and so, like, when you mentioned, like, Nick Frost, like, like I go, oh, okay, I could see that. He's, then again, it's hard to think of, like, a whole bunch of, like, large British actors that you feel would be great for a role like Hagrid. It's like, you're pretty limited. <laughs> but, you know, so I kind of went outside um, the British realm myself. And I don't know if you've seen him lately. I know we both kind of enjoy him uh, as an actor. But have you seen Ethan Suppley lately? I have. He's jacked as fuck. Like, it's fascinating to hear him. I've seen some interviews and this whole process of of just what he went through emotionally and physically to get to where he's at. But, like, he still has this soulfulness in his eyes and this gentleness when he's talking, even though he looks like the kind of guy you would not mess with at a bar because he would destroy you if he was wanted to. Like No, he looks like he should be in fucking Iron Man competitions. Yeah. And like... so he, he's 
he's gigantic and strong. Um, you know, just a, a, a big guy to begin with. I mean, I mean, he was over, I think he was close to 500 pounds at one point, but like, um, but like to be, he's still huge and he's actually, he lost a lot of lots and lots of weight and then puts him back on and it's not super healthy and, and jacked as you said. But like when I see him getting interviews and stuff, like he'll get these flickers of intensity and then he'll just kind of smile and kind of giggle a little or, or something. And it's like, wow, like, I want a Hagrid who is intimidating when he needs to be, but then you just turn, you know, again, just kind of like with Petunia where she goes from being like neutral and proper to being like emotionally torn. I want a Hagrid that can kind of be like dark and mysterious and foreboding. And then it's like, Oh, he's just a cute fella. He likes, he's like, <laughs> he likes little animals. Like I want that quality. So for, for me, that's what I, I thought with Ethan. I, I think Ethan Suffley is a great, Great choice for that. That's a solid pick. Uh, all right, so it's do or die time. Yeah. Uh, we, we've we're, we've come to the big one here, uh, Albus Dumbledore. And so I have I have a dead actor and an alive actor, and I don't know. Got to be alive because we're talking about oh, reality. Oh, it has have to be alive in yeah, reality. Because... Then in that case, uh, that makes it pretty easy. We're going with Anthony Hopkins. Mm. Who's your dead pick out of the way, uh, by the way? Uh, Sir Alec Guinness. Ah, okay. Interesting. But yeah, we are talking about what if, like, today you were able to cast someone. Um, so so Anthony Hopkins, I, I, I don't have to ask why, but I, I, I do want to hear your reasoning. But I can instantly appreciate your pick. He was in my top eight. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh <laughs> Oh yeah, everyone. John messaged me before the show and said, "Hey, I started out with eight and I narrowed it down to three. And I'm like, "Oh, good. <laughs> I've picked. I've two. got one. I, I've made it to one. Okay, that's good. Um, so I, I think mostly, I guess, from an Anthony Hopkins aspect, like he's just very well rounded and able to take on kind of whatever role you throw him into i don't think that you could ever call anthony hopkins a a typecast actor and so i think that whether it be you know uh hannibal lecter or or who you know or or (laughs) dumbledore in this case like you you could very easily see him kind of slide into just about any role that you hand him a script for I think from a Dumbledore aspect, when you look at the qualities of Albus Dumbledore and how he how he carries himself and how he interacts with his professors in his school and how he interacts with his students, I think Anthony Hopkins is very capable of portraying those interactions, especially in how they differ, like how serious he can be with his professors and how uh how lighthearted or or caring or loving that he could be with his students okay like well that's a respectable pick i feel i had a slightly different process but i can understand why you picked him and, and i won't argue that it's a poor choice but like when i was going through this i realized that i really kind of treasured two components of Dumbledore's character. Um, there's more than two that exist, you know, the two aspects to him, but they were the two that I really wanted to make sure that the actor could embody. Uh, one is the fact that he is capable of being a feared man. 
you know, the mm-hmm. s- strongest wizard in existence. Whispers of his name, you know, create fright in the minds of any evildoer types. Um, so he, he's he's kind of a badass that, you know, knows how to, you know, get an entire you know, you know, school full of stupid kids going crazy. He just is like silence and they're <laughs> quiet. You know, it's like you need someone who is very believable, who just lays down the law, who, you know, fills these roles and, you know, dark wizards don't want to screw with. But on the other hand, I really feel you have to capture that twinkle in the eye, mischievous, good natured, joking around, happy kind of guy who maybe has seen a lot but at its core you know he he's gonna share some birdie bots every flavor of beans with you you know like you need a softness and sure. a hardness so like if you want i could tell you my final three yes i do okay. want to hear who your final three were and then i want to know who yeah. your absolute final yeah. pick for Double well i'll just do it this way yeah i'll tell you the two of the three that i did not pick okay um the one of the contenders was tom hanks Okay. And I, I just saw him as someone who absolutely captures the soft side, the twinkle very in the warm, eye. Very, but, very warm character. Actor, but he, yes. he's an actor who's just slipped into so many roles and can take on so many things. But he, one thing I've not really seen him do, even in movies where he's played strong roles and strong characters like Captain Phillips and stuff like where he's gone through all these things or Castaway, but he's not like this, like, I'm going to command the presence of an entire room type person. Um, or that people would fear me and, and, you know, have that dark, like rage come out. So that made me think of Ian McShane. um, Oh, okay. I, who normally tends to play just a bit darker, um, Mm -hmm. but like just, and, and I know people may give me a hard time for this, but I've never even seen Deadwood. Um, but I haven't either. Oh, wow. I've, yeah, I've gotten that, ridiculed a lot. I know I need to watch it, but I have some it. crossover that I was not expecting. <laughs> but yes, I have not yet watched Deadwood. Yeah, but uh, from all all these other many different roles I've seen him in, he 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 can be a little bit of a rascal. He can be kind of someone you just don't want to mess around with. He he's got a harder edge. He's not, but he he kind of I haven't really seen him perform uh, any roles where he's like super warm and like very like you know, connected with, you know, kids or something like that. So I, I kind of, that's the one thing that kept me from picking him. So my final Dumbledore solution, Jeff Bridges. Oh, he, he can be intense. He can be strong and you could be kind of frightened where he's coming from, but he can, he can just chill out and give you a wink and be behind his desk and be like, you know, what up? I'm going to, I'm just going to chill out with my wizard friends. And, you know, he could just go from Obadiah Stane to the dude. And like, you know, there's such a range. (laughs) And so I love it. You just get so much. And plus, I mean, you, you need a guy who could pull off a beard. You just need that. Um, Tom Hanks beard, like I think of Castaway and like that beard he grew, and that's it's fine. It's a for bit the role. scraggly, but like think of the epic Jeff Bridges wizard beard we'd get. Like I, I really, I, I think as Elvis Dumbledore, I think that that's my final pick. Yeah, I like it a lot. That uh, see now I'm picturing like Albus Dumbledude, like yeah, his <laughs> his wizard robe is like the dude's sweater. 
no, I like that a lot. I think that's a pretty solid pick. Uh, cool. I want to do more of these. I think that yeah. as the weeks go on, I think we need to do some more. Because I have some interesting ideas for Snape and for McGonagall and uh, half a dozen other characters. So I yeah, think that like, that'll be a lot of fun to do. Well, each week, I think we'll take a couple stand, uh, standards who are around, you know, throughout um, that we can fill in. And then we'll also, like... You know, next week we'll be doing uh, Chamber of Secrets, so you know we're gonna have uh, good old what's his bucket show up, uh, Gilderoy yep. Gilderoy Lockhart. So you know, like we'll, we'll include that in the mix. So we'll we'll keep doing it like that. I really I think this is a lot of fun to to pick out. You know, who, who would be best, and that's I think for for the, those who are listening, I think we can do some kind of a fun little poll where they can vote between which of our picks they prefer or maybe have write-in candidates if you think we kind of missed the mark and there's an obvious choice uh, that you, you more than more than definitely can let us know who you think would be the best person to be in these roles if we were to remake it right now. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. You guys can sound off and we'll, we'll put up a post with mine and John's picks and then uh, you guys can comment in on, on who you would pick for those roles. Uh, so on the whole, this movie was pretty solid. Um, yeah, it's, it's, we're almost 20 years on with the beginning of this series. And, uh, the, I think that from a a story building standpoint and from a world building standpoint and, and really introducing you to the characters and the overall, the overarching story that is the wizarding world of Harry Potter, I think that it really, it it does a good job. Yeah, I agree. It's like everything about this from, from introducing Harry, you know, to, to Hogwarts and to the Diagon Alley and, you know, Ollivanders and doing all those things. Like every aspect of this was about giving us a glimpse to what this world has to hold. And, and even the, the plot in quotes of the you know centered around the sorcerer's stone um and and that whole business uh it was about helping us to get to know different areas and corners of the castle different characters and setting up that hidden threat that is it real is it not what are we seeing what's happening you know who you know he who shall not be named uh, will be revealed in more totality later on but now it's all just introductions and so Every person we meet, every room that we're in, like it all feeds and like and and the story is fine. The pacing is is fine for what it is because it should feel a a bit long, but not in a painful way. But there's just so much to be introduced to and we're just scratching the surface. So I feel like this is just an introduction, getting you familiar. And it's a cute little story with some, you know, precocious kids, you know, and it's. (laughs) It's not, if I had to judge this and there were no other movies after this, I would probably be like, yeah, I guess it's okay. It's harmless, but, but I'm not judging it on its own. I'm judging it as a part of a whole and the role that it plays. I feel it does an admirable job of bringing us into the content that we get in book one, you know, which is an impossible task for any movie to get all the content, but I think it does an admirable job. And I, I really uh, can't stress enough the the sense of wonder that I, I think they do a good job encapsulating in the movie. Yeah, I, I think that that's a really good point. Like, it, obviously, we're not going to hit every point that happened in the books. Like, this is not going to be. I could not imagine an eight film series in which they also did some Lord of the Rings extended cut shit. 
<laughs> where like you have eight four and a half hour long movies like it's just not it's not a feasible thing to do so but i feel the like the fact that they accomplished as much as they did in the time that they did was was a testament to chris columbus and and his crew for really you know putting together a solid you know two hour long movie and and you know th- you're right it it is it does feel like a long movie but there is never a dull moment where you're going god i wish this would fucking end yeah i i still have to renew my petition you know mentally that uh this is something that i feel would have been far better served by eight ten episode seasons on hbo or something like that but for what we got and what it is yeah, I give it a fair rating because it, it, it does its job well. And it even though, spoiler alert, I may not absolutely love some of the movies in the series, it does make me eager to want to continue and push my way through all the movies to capture the entire feeling of everything as a whole. Yeah, agreed. Uh, what else you got, John, before we bring this to a close? I don't think we need to do a final question because... No, we're filled with questions all throughout each of these. I mean, again, to to those of you who are watching this and are uh, fans of the Harry Potter universe, there I figure there might be a decent cross section. Um, rest assured, we're going to have more in depth quizzes about who Anthony and I are within the world of Harry Potter. What kind of <laughs> wands do we have? What are our Patronuses? Things like that. That's all to come, as well as introducing more recasting dreamcasting for the future um but really for my end i just think that uh i'm just gonna do the the, the wrap-up and i'm gonna do anthony's part and say that's our show everyone uh be sure to subscribe (laughs) to us leave a magical review on apple podcast or stitcher wherever you get your podcast and and again uh, one thing we haven't done in a little while is just beg you to do reviews if you can just do like a you know 14 second review saying what you like about our show that really means a lot to us that would be wonderful and uh, we'll be releasing these episodes uh new each monday and we're we're in the thick of it now we are in the harry potter universe and we'll be here for a while uh so stay tuned with us each week as we distill another favorite from our past yeah and you know what i really what really before we go one last thing i liked about the movie was the score Mm, Uh, that and you know really prevalent throughout the score was destroying the evidence by semaphore oh wait all throughout that that's just the uh the theme for our show we hear at the beginning middle and end uh but you can hear that on our show or you can check it out wherever you stream music whether it's on spotify or on itunes or wherever uh so go and check them out they are a great band they have a lot of really cool songs and uh you can get to us uh, via email, uh, thememorydistillery at gmail.com. Hit us up on our socials. The facebook.com slash thememorydistillery is probably one of the most active uh, with Twitter at a very close second. Twitter.com, Twitter.com slash thememorydistillery. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> like, yeah. What the fuck is our Twitter handle? Twitter.com slash TMDPod or on Instagram at TMDPod. Uh, and yeah, you can get us at those spots. Uh, TMDPod.com. If you want to see our website, it's very pretty. John did a great job on it. Thank you, John. Uh, and that's about it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Anthony Ranieri. And I'm John Deck. And this has been The Memory Distillery. Stay, Stay classy, classy Gryffindor. Gryffindor.